Howdy doody, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Homebrewed Podcast. This evening, we had friends of the show return guests for the second time. We had Jordan and James from the Central Coast band Winterbourne. Yeah, we were super excited to have these guys back. Um, the, the chat that you're about to hear, if you listen to the first one, then you'll understand what's coming. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we cover a whole bunch of ground and those guys are so so busy in terms of what they've been doing they made a documentary they've re-released their album in three different versions um there's so much going on for them as well as the waffle yeah well here's the thing they they like to they joked that they wanted to do as less work as possible but by doing bit more work if that makes any sense so they've released a film uh as well as doing an acoustic and a live version of their debut album echo of youth so instead of just writing more music they thought let's completely step out of our comfort zone and release a film and it's really cool the way they've done it and tied it in with their live performances um at the metro theater in sydney as well as appearances in brisbane and melbourne as well and also in this chat i do make an analogy which is just i mean you heard i laugh as soon as i mentioned the word analogy it's probably it's around 11 minutes into this chat i think and it's just I have no words still. Fantastic. Even, even it's looking a descriptor that you're looking for. It's fantastic. It's the best <laughs> thing you've ever heard. And you're going to have to stay tuned to hear it. Yeah, even listening back to it, I'm still... Like, I understand why I said it, because in the build up to making that analogy, I was saying the word I used quite a lot. So that word was just... Anyway, you'll hear it as part of this interview. Um, and this is the full-length interview as well. If you heard our radio version, that was an edited version of this interview because it's a long one, as I'm sure you saw. As soon as you clicked on this and you thought, oh, gee, 40 minutes, that's a long one. And that's also including this long ramble before we actually get into this. Exactly. Interview. We're adding more and more to it. So um, we'll stop all the adding, time in the world. You do. <laughs> uh, we'll stop adding more now. And we'll let you hear our chat with Winterbourne. Now, when you were last here, you had just released that debut album, Echo of Youth. And since then, you've released an acoustic version, a live version, and you've also released a film. I mean, what's next? Are you going to write a book? Is that the next logical step or podcasting? <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah, that, that's it. But just a book about a podcast <laughs> is the next plan. <laughs> just anything but new music. I think one of the comments from the last time we interviewed you was that you wanted to make an album um, and that lasted you enough like at least a few years so you didn't have to make another album and so you're already two years into that few years we usually say a few is three which means next year you have to release an album is that correct he's he's very good mm. <laughs> it's not your first time. you're gonna crunch the numbers so accurately is a few um, officially three for a few or is that that's probably well the, that was it's four contentious is, four is several yeah yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't so know. Where do these things start now? <laughs> Two is a couple, so you've got no wiggle room. Three yeah. is a few, it's confirmed. It's minimum yeah. three, and we will definitely have made the minimum by next year, so <laughs> that's what that's what counts. Do you count lockdown years, though? That's the thing. As part no. of that? Yeah. yeah no. no. It, it hasn't felt like time, has it? <laughs> it hasn't. It's just that's like correct. You know, a big blip. But I think the essence of what we were trying to achieve was milking the absolute <laughs> crap out of that album mm. before we released any new content and I think we've succeeded you've done well because 
like I mentioned, acoustic version, live version, and a film to all go along with it. Um, we have we do know you are working on more original content, more music. We'll get on that in a little bit. But that I want to touch on that film. It was called Revolutionary Film, which I love that name, obviously based off the first track, Revolutionary Man, on that album. Top stuff. Um, but it was also really well received by your fans. Um, how did the process of making the film compare to, say, making an album? It was, it was different. Well, we've never made anything film-like, um, except for we did a Christmas film once. Uh, in 2016, 20, 20, I think we should. I don't think you needed to. Yeah, I don't think no, that's part of our yeah. resume. No, <laughs> no that, that's important to know because we, we're going to go watch it after this. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't mention that. Um, but it wasn't really like the process of making a film or what I imagine that would be like because we we had all the footage of us playing the songs live and it was very much a case of us sitting down at my laptop and seeing what we could make out of that and how we could um, do something unique from that base. We didn't really start with the idea of let's be a band who makes a film and go from there. So it was uh, it was different to making an album in that sense as well. So this was like you guys had, you know, like obviously the show at the Metro and it shows at the Metro recorded um, and then you didn't quite know what you wanted to do with it and from that uh, an entire feature-length film Group. Yeah, it was strange how it came about. Like, it just became more and more like a real film the more we worked on it. Because, yeah, as you say, initially, initially it was just going to be a few songs, um, live songs, and we're going to do like a live EP maybe, and then accompany that with some footage from the shows, and that was about it. Um, but we got way more footage than we ever thought we would, and then putting it together and starting to think about it a little bit meant that we started just naturally putting these storylines through it. And we've always wanted to draw a parallel between like our whole ascendancy and like from, from busking and then the music on the other side. So we had all this footage there and we were like, we could just make this story and start filling in the gaps. And so, yeah, it was really strange the way we approached it because we pretty much had this live film and we had to make it more and more like a real, a real movie. Um, and then we ended up with this thing that was felt like a film when we were watching it in a theatre and thinking, yeah, we never really set out to make this. We just kind of ended up with it. And we thought it was really good by the end, but it was, it was yeah, like James said, we never said, let's go out and make a movie about Winterbourne. Let's, let's try and talk about ourselves for an hour and a half again. So all those bits in between the film as well, where you're driving in a car, driving to a gig, was that filmed live on your way to a gig or was this all scripted and you've then gone somewhere and travelled it and filmed it afterwards? I'm so glad that you're asking because <laughs> it's, it's yeah. very, very much scripted. It's about take 27 that you're seeing there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the idea was to it... try and make it look real. So Yeah, because it was very, I mean, the... The levels of it was very professional. It wasn't just you singing in the car with an iPhone filming it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it, you did, did get that sense that you were with you on a way to a gig at the time. But obviously hearing you now say that you had no plans for this before that gig happened does make it very difficult to sort of plan out this storyline ahead of time. We had a vague idea because we did that busk at Pitt Street Mall before the Metro shot. Um, yeah. And we, as we always do, invited our fans to come and watch us in the middle of the mall um, and we get have like a big crowd in the middle of the street there. And um, on for the last song that we played in that set, we got um, the camera guy who was working with us to follow us out of the crowd, which is 
um, all tied into how we ended up making the story. So we knew we've always had this idea that if we were ever going to play the Metro Theatre, we should somehow link it to Pitt Street Mall because they're physically close to each other and, you know, conceptually miles apart, at least for us at the time. So, um, yeah, we had that vague idea and then we finally had the chance to do it um, and somehow managed to stitch it together. If if this, you know, just like little descriptions of the film are teasing you and you want to watch it, do jump on Winterboard's YouTube, check it out. The whole thing is there to watch. Um, it's really cool stuff. What about that, like, as Cam mentioned, there was like, you know, it's very professionally done. It doesn't look like something that you guys have just put together as musicians. So who did you have helping you to make something like that? Um, and, and how was that process? We have a guy who's who worked with a lot called... Um, Brad, Bradley Manane, uh, and he, he has a company called Spilting Films. Um, and so because we're quite close with him now, we were able to just bounce the stupid idea off him. And he was keen to just come along and, and jump in the van and film and still, and make it look professional rather than us, um, like you were saying, shooting with our phones. So um, he also hired a crew to film the Metro show um, and then everything else was shot, shot by us or our manager, Francesca. So, um, but we have a decent camera, so could get away with it. It, it all helps. Um, and it, it, it is really, really cool. And I mean, one thing that struck me about you guys, I know when we spoke last that you mentioned, well, you told us about like the creation of, of your album artwork for Echo of Youth was, it wasn't, you know, simply like getting something together. You literally created this gigantic floral arrangement um, and then had that, you know, become part of your album artwork. You've then gone on and you've made this film as well. So there's this clear uh, artistic expression, which of course makes sense as musicians, but it goes beyond just your music. Uh, is this always something that you've wanted to do with your career to to have it as an as outlets for various artistic mediums for yourselves, rather than you know just making an album or just making music? Yeah, we've always. Um We've always been interested in all the sort of creative pursuits. We're not just interested in music. I think music was the most accessible for us, but we've all always loved films and we've loved comedy and books and um, physical art and visual stuff. So um, if anything, yeah, being in a position like we are in as musicians has just given us a platform and an excuse to do things like that. So we could never have... It made, we never had an excuse to put all those flowers on the ground and take a photo of it, but it was really fun to do. And we managed to just say, yeah, we'll use it as an artwork. And um, and the same thing with this film was like, we've got all this footage, we might as well make some mad thing and, and enjoy ourselves while we do it. So it's been good to be able to just, yeah, come up with any random idea that we want and say, oh, yeah, we could make that about music and, and then we get to do it. Yeah, comedy was one of those ones that came up in our last chat as well, how heavily you were influenced by comedy, particularly I think a lot of UK comedy. And we also spoke about your social media approach. It's sort of very raw and authentic and like unplanned out ahead of time in the best sort of way. Like it wasn't very professional and scripted. It was just very sort of raw and it was you throwing yourself at it. So there's obviously a lot of creative juices flowing between the two of you and as well with other people who you're working with as well with the pandemic, did that sort of, how did you get that creative juices flowing or how did you get that out of yourself? Because you haven't released any new music since the album, as we mentioned, because you wanted to try and juice that cow as long as you could. Um, is, 
might be a bad analogy. I'm sorry. We can't walk. We can't just let that happen. <laughs> you milk a cow, don't you? Know juice. That, that's you that's do, something. Yes. Yeah. Famously, <laughs> milk and orange. <laughs> so how did you get your creative juices flowing or your, your milk flowing if you will i don't know this is completely losing track but how, how did you get that creative expression out of you during lockdown what were you doing yeah when covid happened the, well that's kind of what made the film to be honest we jokingly put in the in the credits at the end of the film this film was made possible by covid19 but it's also extremely true because we just had so much time, everyone did, and we had this footage and that's why it was good. We only had um, one person that we were working with at most, so we, we were still allowed to go out um, sometimes and get stuff filmed, so we knew we could get out and, like you say, get the, get the creative milk juiced. Um, <laughs> so, And also, around that time, we, we, were, feel, we were feeling, this, like everyone, I suppose, but there was a lot of... Uh, world fixing going on from all corners of the world and we were like our approach is kind of maybe it was a good time to to work on ourselves I wish I had better way of saying that but that was the where the premise of the film came from it was like maybe if we go back and you know literally retrace the steps of how we of what's happened in the last couple of years um, that'll be an interesting exercise if nothing else so it was all the stuff in the film that we say is stuff that we we're thinking at that time, which is cool. It's not like stuff we've had written down for ages. It was just like trying, we we're actually working through some stuff, and it's on a, it's in a film. A, a really good film, and it's been recognised that way as well. You won Best Experimental Film Award at the Florence Film Awards, um, and you've also been selected at the Milano Film Festival for this year. When is that, and and kind of how did that come about? Do you submit that? To, to those awards like it's it's quite an accolade yeah you, we're just huge it just, just <laughs> seems to be specific to Italy everyone else hates it apparently Italy is an extremely basic film market to get into <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you can submit your film um, I don't know if it's a coincidence that our manager is Italian I imagine it isn't um, but yeah you can submit your film and it is It I mean it's it's not the, the biggest deal in the world but because it's it's just like a an ongoing joke that we made a film it's it's kind of really nice for it to be credited as a film somebody watched it somebody watched it and said yeah that's a film so that's enough <laughs> well they said experimental film. true yeah they, were ex- <laughs> like they made up a category just for our films i'm not sure how pl- how proud to be mm. that, we were when we got the message we were like yes that we've never we like we don't care about awards and stuff but it was like that's awesome but someone's watched it and said yeah you can have that <laughs> i mean creating categories that's pretty revolutionary man exactly that's the kind <laughs> that's of stuff true. we're after <laughs> um <laughs> as well as that it's being it was released on youtube as well and it's got about 2.8 thousand views um which you said yourself it's you know not huge numbers but i mean it's still pretty good nonetheless but the most important thing zero dislikes i'm probably <laughs> going to have a bunch of people really? now flood to that video and dislike it just to yeah. you know even out that algorithm but how have you managed on youtube of all places to get zero dislikes on a video put up on that site we mustn't have been controversial <laughs> i think that was one of the things we were going for was 
to get at least a few dislikes because yeah, well, we didn't, mustn't have said anything in well, pushing any boundaries. You must have hit the balance right because I feel like if it's too plain Jane, then people dislike it because they want something to be angry about. I, I mm. think if you start watching a 90-minute <laughs> feature-length <laughs> live show film and then you have some complaints, then it's your own fault. <laughs> there are yeah, no the, rules. The other, th- the, the other thing that is, uh, is staggering as well is there's no arguments in the comment section either. Yeah, we're thinking about just starting some. You have to. You <laughs> yeah. have to just, just post something that's controversial because every YouTube video with more than 500 views that I've ever seen has an argument in the comment section somehow. It doesn't even have yeah. to be related mm. to the video. You guys have avoided that. So I think that in itself, you should have like, you know how on the cover you've got that film award thing with the ring, the yeah. horseshoe shaped yeah. thing? You should have another one of those that just says no arguments in the YouTube comment section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, though, I think that's a that's a huge failure on our part. Yeah, <laughs> we will we cannot rest until we have divided opinions. It was so interesting hearing people's opinions at because we we premiered the, the film in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne live in theaters, and it's all our fans who are just unbelievably trusting in us to have bought tickets to our movie premiere. Uh, but they came and it was and we did the merch desk afterwards and like Sydney was like four hundred and forty people or something and we haven't done a gig for we hadn't done a gig for a year and a half at that point um, and we were just sitting there up the back of this beautiful the Ritz Cinema in Sydney watching <laughs> watching the opening scene come up going what the hell are people going to make of this <laughs> like why would they not hate this. And it feels like we've done it on purpose. It's like a big piss tech. Yeah. It's where we're going as far as we can to stop people from buying tickets and then keep showing up. Yeah. But well, maybe uh, a book about a podcast is that next step. That's right. How well that yeah. sells. It'll be on the bestsellers list, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Book about a podcast what was that moment like I mean releasing music is something that you guys know that you do well and have had kind of continued support but I mean standing at the back of a theatre watching 440 of your fans about to watch a film that you created was there like a whole new kind of set of nerves together with that yeah it was it was completely unique I don't think we've maybe when we started doing gigs we felt like that but it was a brand new feeling. I don't really know why because, well, I think I do. It's because we were, felt like we were out of our depth making something that we're not naturally good at. Doing gigs is just, or playing music is like, well, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't get it. But <laughs> with a film, it, it does feel like we went, we, we convinced people to come and try and enjoy this thing and then we sat there watching it with them going I can't believe we let people come into this having said that like I'm bashing the film a lot but we were extremely proud of it we wouldn't have actually we wouldn't have released it if we weren't really proud of what we'd done and we believed in it and I think it's kind of just yeah we just trust ourselves to if we make the right creative decisions the whole way through then we're going to feel good about showing it to Mm. people but um, when yeah sitting in that theatre was just like I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know if I was excited or if I just wanted to leave. But then watching the actual film, like when it came on, it was euphoric. It was like the whole big screen, like in an actual theatre with the lights down, people laughing at the jokes and stuff like that was just like, it was better than any any gig really, those reactions. 
It was great. Were there any surprise reactions? Were there any parts where you thought, oh, the audience is going to love this and it's just dead silent? Or the, And then parts where you thought, yeah, okay, we'll throw that bit in and then the audience reacted really well. Was there anything like that or was it all pretty much the laugh where you expected to laugh and, you know, they enjoyed it in the same parts you thought they would? There's definitely moments of, there was one, but I can't think, because a while ago now, but I can't think what the particular moment was where it, all three cinemas erupted in laughter and it was just like, we didn't know it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but every single one, every it got them every time. It was like, we got to do more of that. Yeah, that was really, that was so strange yeah. because you would you would hear that and say, how could you not have known that was funny? But we literally just every time we do each other, we went, I don't know. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, why did that get them? It was really, it was like yeah. an experiment because we hadn't really shown the film to many people. <laughs> It was like we didn't really know how it was going to hit at all. And watching <laughs> watching hundreds of your fans all take it in and react in a certain way, it was, just like, it was almost too much. And the weird thing as well, it wasn't like we set out to make a comedy. Like we, we naturally try and be funny a lot of the time, but the film wasn't, it wasn't like a huge parody yeah. or anything like that. It, it was, we didn't really know what it was in terms of genre. We were just doing a film that we thought was good. So then getting there and people expecting it to be funny was a bit nerve-wracking because yeah. we were like, I don't think we've put any jokes in yeah. it. Like it's, it's not us trying to be funny, it's just us being whatever it is that we do when we're in a film. Um, so yeah, then, so I don't think we really expected anybody to have any, any reaction at all. But So when they did have those kinds of reactions, it was like, this is ridiculous. And perhaps that's why you're a little bit more nervous about the film as well, apart from it being not something you were used to doing or you know, you've done throughout your whole lives so much it was something it was sort of you being yourselves and it was you people reacting to your music like when you're playing the music you can sort of okay this is you know a winterborn whether it's you know authentically yourself or whether you the story the song's about a story or characters you can sort of hide behind that a little bit more but when it's a film and people are following you in a car having a conversation you know it's a scripted line you've come up with ahead of time Perhaps it's a little bit more, you know, raw or a little bit more you as opposed to, it's more about you as opposed to your music, perhaps. Yeah, for sure. And that was, we were so glad when we landed on the idea of having Jordan speak to camera because we were finding it so hard to find a stylistic device, I guess is what that is, um, that was not us talking about ourselves you know, because the whole point was we're not big enough to make a, a film about ourselves. We're just not. So, but we want to, and we have. We we would like to sit. We would like. We have some stuff to figure out. So, when we realised that we could have Jordan, like you say, treating the camera like it was somebody just coming along for the day, um, we realised we could keep that ambiguity, like you get from songwriting, and put it into a film, and and just expand on the ideas in the songs instead of going. We did this, and then we did this, and this is this is this is how we did this. We 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 didn't want it to be like that. We wanted it to still uh, be a bit up for interpretation. Um, but yeah, you're you're dead on. It's it, and like Jordan said, it's just new. When you, it's like showing a new song to somebody. It's like it's you're so vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. And like you, you said, it was sort of you didn't really have a genre, but you've called it a rockumentary, which is another great pun. I mean. 
I, I don't know if it's a widely known category name or whether it's just something that's sort of fresh. Because you mentioned it in your live show as well that you saw something on a rockumentary. And I guess like the Bohemian Rhapsodies and the Piano Mans that have sort of come out recently as well might fit into that genre. Um, you had this idea for a film based off that or was it something sort of going at the same time? You're like, oh, man, Bohemian Rhapsody stole our idea. <laughs> yeah, it I don't really know where we learned the word uh, rockumentary. Did we make that up? Did no, we, I think it's from. Um, I think it's from. Uh, oh my god, I'm going to forget the name of the film. The most famous parody rock band documentary. Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Don't they say rockumentary? I haven't seen it, but yeah. sure. I was going to give <laughs> you, you credit think for our it. film's good. You must watch. Yeah. this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. It was hard to avoid being like Spinal Tap because we watched it not long before we started this whole film thing and, and it's just the best possible example of a parody rockumentary. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that side of it was whenever you see a documentary about a rock band, it's always too cool and they're always successful and it's super easy to make a documentary about yourself when you're selling out stadiums around the world and you can you can tailor that to look however you like. You're always going to come off being the biggest, you know, you're going to be huge. But um, and even if you're not looking cool with that behind the scenes camera stuff, and you know, it all just seems a little bit staged and, and silly to us. We like the idea of doing that kind of thing, but it's so clearly not good enough to be a rockumentary. It's like this is what a band is really doing when they're just trying to crack have any success in the music industry. And it was just funny to us that we, we cracked a thousand people at one of our gigs and that was enough for us to say, yeah, okay, we're doing this. We're making a documentary. <laughs> and it was, you know, it's the, the biggest medium capacity venue in Sydney and that's it. That's enough for us. So, um, yeah. And that, and James said, as James said, that allowed us to talk about and think about it out loud in the context of a film which we did genuine, genuinely reflected on why we were doing that and why that was important to us. If you've just joined us, we are chatting to Central Coast band Winterborn um, about the film that they've made about their last album. And if we can jump to, to your album, Echo of Youth, it was released in 2019, um, August-ish, I believe. <laughs> exactly. So not too yeah, – yeah, great um, time definition. But um, – it, it, that wasn't too far, obviously, before the whole world shut down and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, you guys have kept busy with the filmmaking um, and releasing the other kind of accompaniments to the album since then. But what what did the pandemic do to you guys? I mean, you just dropped what at that time was your biggest body of work to date. Um, obviously, a source of immense pride, and it did very, very well. Um, was it a bit of a wind out of the sails in terms of your musical careers and your touring to then not be able to go and really push that um through gigs and and what have you into 2020 honestly no because we sort of sailed we'd, we'd <laughs> sailed as far as our sails would carry us at that point uh we'd 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 done the tour in europe which is our biggest tour over there just before the album was that true or just after but we'd got it done that year and then we did the, these shows in Australia, which are the biggest ones we've done. Um, and we got those in obviously before the end, before the end of 2019. And that was already going to be a big down phase from that point on. The next thing was always going to be, we need to do the acoustic album. We didn't know we were going to do a film at that point, but it was already, let's start thinking about new music. 
the effect it has had is the new music has been pushed back a long way because nobody just has any idea what to plan. Um, it's so hard to set dates and, and to really just even conceptualise a release. So um, that was definitely different, but we got really lucky because we had friends who were on tour in Europe, friends who were, got stuck all over the world, friends who would, weren't able to tour an album at all. Um, but yeah, we, we really lucked out on that one. Well, that's why I gave you that extra leeway when at the top of the show when we said, oh, it's been three years, when's it coming? I thought, well, let's not include the COVID years. So you, really you've probably got another two years up your sleeve to get this new music out. But we we do know you are writing new music at the moment. Um, I assume nothing recorded or, you know, nothing sort of cemented, but in the writing phase of the music, what can we expect from the next few releases? Yes, we are. We've been writing probably since... I don't know, the start of COVID, probably since the, we did that tour, even before that, that tour we did what, like we played songs, new songs on that um, theatre tour that we did, the cinema tour, because we didn't want to just come out after a film packed full of our songs and play those songs again. Um, but we did come out and play new songs, so it was <laughs> genuinely two and a half hours of Winterbourne telling you how good they were. Um, but... So, yeah, before that. So we've had these songs for ages and we've just wanted to get them down. And we've had ones that we think are really good for ages um, and wanting to get them down. But, yeah, it's like James said, it's funny how much the inability to plan out a, a year or two years changes how quickly you write and, and you know, not knowing, okay, we're going to release an album at the end of next year, here's how we're going to do it. It's just sort of vague and we'll write a song if we can and we'll, do this if we can and what kind of content are we going to be doing? So it's really strange, but we've ended up with just coming out, coming up with enough songs to start recording. So we've started recording. We've got a few things down. We're always sort of doing demos and stuff. Um, but, yeah, the plan is just to get as many good songs that feel good as we can and then we can start hopefully just putting them out when it feels like we should put music out. What about conceptually or, you know, the sound of the new music? Is it very similar or are you taking a slightly different direction? No, we're not taking a different direction, I don't think. Uh, it's hard for us to say. We've always laughed about, I feel like we've, it's going to seem like we just laugh all the time. But um, <laughs> we find it funny when people say that we've changed our sound because we haven't, like, and we've known each other for over a decade and we listen to songs that we're making when we were what we've we been 13 um, and the, the the themes are the same <laughs> and the instruments are basically the same I guess you could say we've added more synths but um, that's because we weren't we couldn't figure out how to play them back then um, <laughs> and this will just be more of the same it's definitely um, you know hopefully it's we want it to be exciting we're not going to put out more of what could have gone on Echo of Youth we're definitely it's going to have this album um, if it turns into an album, will be will be its own vibe, um, but we'll take great care to make sure it's uh, as good, I suppose. And and what about touring? Is, is there? I mean, I don't know if you're planning a full on national tour again. Obviously, you had your successful one already, but uh, there's been a couple of years between it. With things opening up, um, is there anything in the works in terms of touring or just gigs around the place that, that you've kind of sort of locked in? Yeah, we just locked in our first gig. Uh, it's gonna be at the. It's just gonna be the two of us at the the last Twilight markets of the year in Avoca. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, on the eleventh, wow. Saturday the eleventh. 
and it, we have we will very much have to remember what to do before then. That's a really. I mean, you've gone from. I mean, you sort of mentioned it. The the story of your film. You know, you're playing and you're busking by the mall, and then you're playing out a thousand seat at the metro. And now that sort of tour cycle is finished. It's almost like you're starting again by playing at the Evoca Beach Markets and then you're going to build up again to the album release. And then, you know, depending on what the world's doing, but there could be another sort of national tour. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we thought we'd go back to basics. Um, <laughs> it's also just down the road. So. Try again. Yeah. And we've been playing the markets for the last 10 years. So it's like whenever they offer us a spot, it's like, yeah, we'll do that. Absolutely. That's what I really like about you guys. Like you, you're not like, oh, we play the Metro. We don't need to do that. You're like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Like that sounds like fun. And you know, it's something you've done before. You obviously enjoy doing it. So it also proves you do enjoy writing and performing your music as much as anything else. Absolutely. And it's just, it's been, we've played one gig in the last two years. So actually that including the cinema shows, we played four. So it's, we're just sort of relishing the idea of seeing people and talking to people and yeah, getting to be out doing stuff. So, um, and yeah, like we said, it's just down the road and we, we've, they've, they've always been good supporters of us at the markets. So we probably would have gone to the markets anyway. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I suppose if you, you know, you're selling hundreds of tickets in multiple cities for your, uh, movie screenings and theater shows, you've got to be a little bit careful. You might flood the Avoca markets with a thousand of your fans for the first kick back hungry for new Winterbourne. That is a genuine problem. (laughs) That we face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why James doesn't go out very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets swamped by Cam. <laughs> um, so How do you juice a cow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the last time I ever use an analogy on this show, I'll tell you that. I don't know if that's the fault of all analogies, just the... It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's, that's, it's my that's fault deflection. to correctly use an analogy, and I'm worried I'll make another slip up. So I'm just going to stop yeah. all analogies. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You didn't realize how close, how close an error was. The more I think about <laughs> juicing a cow, the funnier that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, 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 what's going to happen there is you're going to have a cow juiced up into a bottle. Hopefully, there's no <laughs> vegans listening, but that is what that is. You, you can't. But what if what if the cow's just an orange that's shaped like a cow? I haven't taken anywhere near enough drugs to be having this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Getting, getting. Sorry, were you going to make another jab? (laughs) Me? What's that mean? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. No, I'll come back to this at some stage. Jordan looked like he was ready to throw another punch. I was just going (laughs) to let him have it before I moved on. You sort of mentioned you've been, you've been playing guitar since you were 13 or so and you've, you know, gone on that journey. I, I also, your guitar teacher, Chris Byrne, he sort of taught you guys. I also used to have lessons with Chris. He used to literally live down the road. So I used to go to his house and have lessons there. So he's a, And I bumped into him probably a year or so ago and he was telling me about you guys and sort of how he sort of, you know, he looks back on you guys and he goes, they always had something like you could always tell that they were going to go on and pursue this and i'm not sure whether he was talking about a passion or pure talent um but what sort of can you talk about where you were before you started those lessons with chris compared to where you are now and what he sort of taught you along the way which you carry through now uh i started going to chris to do singing lessons because he was a friend of of my family 
and he didn't really do singing lessons, but I just said, do you, like, he does sing, so could you teach me how to sing? And so I started going there and playing guitar and singing, and then I don't know how you came into it, but we, we, we played at school all the time, and we, would, we would, had aspirations to be able to harmonise and play as a duo and he, or just as a band, just to be able to do band stuff. Um, but we were we doing it then? Were yeah, we, we able were, to do? Chris started getting us gigs, and we played at um, Lazotte's when that was open on the coast, and started playing live and locals. And but I but remember the, Chris teaching us harmonies. Yeah, and we used to play them out all the time, and we'd be like, "Man, if we could get to the point where we can just do this, like we can just sing harmonies automatically, and because like, it sounds really good when we sing together." That'd be awesome, and so mm. that's that kind of started our. We already knew about like Simon and Garfunkel, and um, we wanted to take our ACDC roots and make them a little <laughs> bit more Simon and Garfunkel, as happens to everybody who learns music. Um, and so we, yeah, Chris started teaching us that stuff, and then we, I don't know how much natural talent it was, but it was it was definitely just a desire to learn how people made things sound good, and then copy them and do that <laughs> which mm. i think we've managed to do yeah i think that was something you touched on he said you're sort of playing the same guitar parts and trying to sing the same parts and he goes change it up you do this you do that and you mentioned it your voices like the way they like work together in a melody is just so good thank you thank you yeah he he because we had i guess yeah we we, we had all the the keenness um, <laughs> but we and we both I was terrified of singing when I, when we first went to Chris um, and he just got us playing gigs and that really made the biggest difference. That's what we say to people now, get in front of people because it's so different playing in front of a person or, or people um, and it really makes you grow a lot quicker than just learning and playing in your living room or whatever. So. There you go. Good lessons out there for any aspiring uh, musicians or any hopefuls that are looking to, to emulate the multifaceted successes of Winterbourne. Um, guys, thanks so much for chatting to us for a second time. I mean, you know, when the third time comes around, you may have a book about a podcast or something else, obviously, <laughs> but whatever it is, we cannot wait to see it. Um, Kate, you can catch them again uh, for their first gig back at the last Twilight Markets at Avoca for the year, I believe it is, on the 11th. Uh, and until then, uh, we're going to take you out with a live version of their track, Colorblind. Uh, it is off the live version of their album, Echo of Youth, and you can catch that on Spotify streaming and the movie that they made on their YouTube channel. Just type in Winterborn and you should find it there. Start an argument in the comments. Give it a dislike, all that <laughs> yes. good stuff. Yeah. Feed the algorithm. That's what you need to do. Too many likes and they're like, well, no, we're not going to push that. We're not going to promote that. But if there's arguments in the comments and there's the like to dislike, like mm. ratio that's mm. when you get number one on trending that's it i don't know, I don't know if that's the case i don't know <laughs> i think i might just i think i'm just bored i think i just need something to do yeah. i want to argue with someone on youtube okay okay i'll start an argument about juicing radio cows. hosts don't normally end the yeah. interview by encouraging negativity towards <laughs> our content so. well the whole interview has been so positive we need to balance yeah. it out a bit yeah, yeah. very true <laughs> thanks that's for the that. only way so yeah Cam, as it was, uh, jump on, uh, type in a comment about juicing a cow or something like that. Yeah. Um, but either way, check out Winterborn stuff. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us back. Thank you, Vance.